Hallelujah. I speak at Friday, fair, Friday Fire so often that I don't even need introduction anymore. My name is Myung-Hwa Choi. I'm an executive pastor. I almost said intern pastor again. Uh, I'm an executive pastor at New Philly. Um, welcome to Friday Fire. I hope you're enjoying this time. All right, man. It's good, huh? Come on. All right, let's go. Let's turn to 1 Peter 4, verses 10 to 11. First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11. This is Peter's epistle, which just means letter. His letter to the believers in different areas in Asia. We're going to read verse 10 and 11. You can read along with your eyes as I read it. Actually, why don't we just read it together? All right, let's just read it together. <laughs> Where am I? Okay, verse 10. One, two, three, go. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Peter wrote this wonderful letter, and then at the, toward the end of it, Peter is, um, advising all these people, all these believers to, um, yeah, to be the good steward of all their gifts, you know. Uh, the first thing that you have to notice at the beginning of verse 10 is that everyone, as each has received a gift, according to that sentence, it means that everyone, every believer born again receives a gift from the Lord. Amen? So do you believe that you have a gift from the Lord that you have? Amen. So gift in Greek. It's charisma. Everyone say charisma. charisma. So according to the Strong's Concordance, I did some research. Hallelujah. It means a spiritual endowment, whatever that means. And then according to Divine's Dictionary, it says a gift of grace endowed upon believers by the operation of the Holy Spirit. I like the second one better. I liked how he wrote grace by grace and also uh, by the operation of the Holy Spirit. Good definition. And then, you know, you know about the spiritual gifts. You know, everyone read First Corinthians in chapter 12. It talks about nine spiritual gifts. And then there are only nine that are mentioned, but I believe that there are so many more. It's just a little portion of that. And I'm going to talk about it more later. And then, as it moves on, it says this. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So be the good steward. God says, I mean, Peter wrote, God told us through Peter to be a good steward. And how to be a good steward is to say simply use it to serve one another. Do you guys know the gift is not for you? Spiritual gift at least, it's not for you. Christmas gift is for you. Valentine's gift is for you, me, it's for me. <laughs> I don't mind that. Gifts is for you, but spiritual gifts are not really for you. Primarily, it's for others. You know, people would um, give the prophecy. They don't prophesy over themselves, you know. You know, they usually prophesy over other people. They edify others. Gift of healing, when they get sick, they ask other people to pray for them. They don't 
They don't, I mean, I guess it's possible. I guess they could heal themselves. But when they get sick, they ask other people. They rely on the body, you know, for prayer. So gift is primarily for others. You, you, you see, just the word steward, it tells us that you don't own it. The gift that you receive from the Lord, it's, it's not yours. If that means that your gift is not to be used for personal gain, your own fame, your own glory, it's not to be used that way. You can't use it as you please. Oh, okay, I would like to heal that person, but not this one. You can't do that. You can't use it as you please. It's not to be neglected either because you are a steward. God has entrusted that to you. It is to serve other people that are around you. You guys know the uh, parable of the talents, right? It's in Matthew chapter 25, 16 to 30. It just talks about this man who's about to go on a journey. He gives out his property to his servants. So here, five talents to you. Here, two to you. And then here's one to you. Then he distributes all these properties and then he leaves. He just takes off. And then the story goes on. You know, if, if, just by reading that part, you can tell that uh, Satan cannot stop God from giving out gifts to his people. You know, it's not possible. God gives out gifts to his people, to every single one of them, and Satan cannot stop them. Then who is he after? He's after us. He's after the believers. He's after after the church that have received that gift. So it's basically he's after us. To keep our gifts hidden, to keep it buried, to keep it wasted, Satan's after us. We are his target. Because gifts are primarily for who? For others. Because of that, if the devil can get you to be selfish, then his mission is accomplished. Because your gift is for other people around you, if he could get you to think, oh, it's all about me, then he's already successful in that mission. Selfishness and self-centeredness will kill your gift. It's already buried. It's in the ground. Let me explain. I'll give you a lot of examples too. So, you know, let's say this, this sister has a gift to sing amazingly. And then she has that amazing voice and it's apparently from the Lord. And then she, uh, I ask her to do like an offering song or something. You know, can you serve the body, you know, with you, with your gift to sing? And, um, she says, but, um, you know, so and so is better than me. Why don't you ask her? You know, it's happened before. Okay. It's happened before. I mean, so and so is better than me. Why don't you ask her? So by saying that, the focus is completely on you. Focus is so on you. Can, can you see that? You know, um, you know, Gloria is better than me. So you just ask her. It's kind of like, it's just kind of checked out, right? But then a lot of people in the body of Christ, they actually do that. You know, when you ask someone to share their testimony in public, um, it's not that common, but a common response that you get is, oh, but then, you know, Rona's testimony is so much powerful than mine. Why don't you ask her? You know, some people respond that way. You know, she's better than me. I'm not the best in this. Why don't you ask someone else? But the point isn't for you to be the best. You guys get that? You don't have to be the best person in that area. You know, that doesn't mean that your gift is invalid. You know, God just simply asks you to activate and use your gift to glorify him. And to bless others. You know, a lot of people say this. I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. That's also self-centeredness. You are focusing on your own fear. Your insecurity. You are not caring about other people. 
And that's also a lie. Because gift of God, it's not designed to overwhelm you. Let me prove this from Matthew 25:15. It says this: Man gave his talents, man sim- symbolizing God. He gave his talents to servants according to his several ability. So God kept that in mind. All right, I know your limit, I know your capacity, I know your ability, and here is two. All right, I know you. Here is five. Oh, I know you. One. <laughs> That's a little sad, right? But God took that into consideration, and then God's gifts are not meant to overwhelm you in any way. So for you to say, "Oh, I'm just not ready," touch your perfectionist side. You know, that's not really spirit of God. You know, the gift comes with grace and the Holy Spirit. You know, don't forget about the definition. It comes with the grace that will enable you. Comes with the Holy Spirit. I'm not ready is not really possible in that sense. But take your time to get ready, though. Practice and get better. <laughs> Another example: um, a lot of people say this. I just want to receive in church on Sundays. That's just self-explanatory. I don't have to say anything. It's selfishness. You know, they just get fat in the pews. You know, they don't want to do anything. Just they just want to receive and leave. I just want to. Get fat, receive, and leave. Selfishness, right? But I believe that person also has a gift that can bless the body tremendously. You're bearing that. Uh, I heard this story. I think it was in the Philippines. I might be wrong, but then uh, one of the native pastors that we work with shared this. A worship leader came to Philippines. Let's say it's Philippines. I'm sorry, I'm getting all these stories confused. But this worship leader came with this uh, worship team. To have like a youth conference. After he checked out the venue and the sound system, he refused to lead worship. The reason was he was afraid of his reputation going down because the sound system sucked. Of course, it's a third world country, quote unquote. So he didn't want his ministry to be affected by how poor he was sound at that conference. His perfectionism. Made him turn down that request to lead worship at that amazing youth conference that possibly could have blessed so many other people. You know, being perfect is not required in the kingdom of God. That's just you being selfish and self-centered. This is gonna kill some of you. Some neglect their gift because they try to move in a gift that they want rather than the one they have. I see some of you dying. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. You see, I mean, wanting other gifts—it's not an evil thing. Don't get me wrong; it's not evil thing. I want more gifts too, and I'm asking for more. You know, but then neglecting the one that you have hurts the body. That's a selfish thing to do. The one that you have, you other people around you need it. It might be someone else's breakthrough. You know, and keeping that buried. You are just being straight up selfish. Seek after spiritual gifts and ask for more, but do not keep one that you have buried under the ground. See, from all these examples, all these different excuses, if Satan gets you to think it's all about me, it's all about my fear, I'm just gonna be selfish or self-centered. Your talent is already under the ground. It's buried. It's killed. See, being a good steward is really not that complicated, according to the Word of God. It's just identifying your gift and use it to serve others. 
That just means you are being a good steward of God's varied grace. We're going to talk about varied grace. King James Version and NASB, it says manifold grace instead of varied grace. Manifold or varied. In Greek, it is this. Poikilos. Yes, poikilos. Poikilos is mean, it means uh, of various colors, of various sorts. You know, so if Pastor John, Pastor Marcus, and I are standing together, we are poikilos. <laughs> right? It's of... I don't care anymore. <laughs> Call me racist. I don't care anymore. Poi kilos. <laughs> it means of various colors of various sorts. And I have a question for you guys. So, everyone, if you see a rainbow, how many colors? How many colors do you see? Seven. Oh yeah, I heard Koreans sing seven because it's Baljo no Chopanambo, seven colors. In America, the same thing, right? Seven colors. And typically, we answer seven, red to purple, Baljo no Chopanambo. Koreans make much more vision. Seven colors. But then, um, if you ask uh, this particular uh, tribe in in, I, sorry, I really had to research more. But then I read it in my linguistic books, okay? And if you ask this particular tribe that's in the bush boys somewhere in the world, they will answer <laughs> two. So this was the official study that was done by this linguist uh, guy. And then they, they will actually say two. Because their distinction of colors is only warm colors and cold colors. You know? So they will say, I see two colors, you know? And then Koreans will say, no, we see seven. But then, like, man, artistic, like, painters will say, I see, like, Brazilian, like, million colors in there, you know, because there are all these different shades and all these in-between colors, you know, mixed colors. That your eyes cannot even, like, identify. I know I say something wrong right now, but, yeah, <laughs> fine. You know, it's, uh, you, you got my point. It's countless. It's so many different colors that are in the sh- rainbow, right? So that's, like, poikilos. And then the exact word, because it's of various colors, right? This exact word is applied to God's grace. It says varied grace. And that, that uh, symbolizes what? The, the gift, right? So you get to steward a, a portion or a color or a, 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 a part of this manifold grace. You know? So, and then Peter goes on. I want you to look at your Bible again. Uh, verse 11, it says this. Whoever, and there are two examples that are given to us. Uh, it says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So there are two examples that are given to us. So to speak, Greek again, it's laleo. Ah, no, it's laleo, sorry. <laughs> laleo. It's a really common term. You see it a lot in the New Testament. Very general term. To talk, to tell, to speak, to utter. It's all laleo. To speak. And then the second one is to serve, right? It's a diakoneo. Diakoneo is to serve. It's also a very general genetic term. It means to be a servant, to serve, to minister, to wait upon, to to do all sorts of things. There's an endless definition for this. It's really genetic, general term. So both of them are given as an example. Whoever speaks, whoever serves. 
some people see them as two categories, and then they say um, all the gifts fall into one of either category. But I don't, I don't agree with that. I just purely see them as two examples. But um, you know, someone's gifted. I don't think it's like exclusive. If someone's gifted to speak, to to speak, he doesn't have a gift to serve. I don't think it's exclusive. Um, you know, do you just get one gift entire, you know, in your whole life? No, like even the parrot of talents tells you someone got five, someone got two, and someone got one. So it tells you that you cook a multiple. And then by, uh, in, in, in your, if you read the Bible in a systematic way, speaking and serving is kind of your call to do both. Because sharing the gospel is speaking, la leo. Preaching the gospel, same thing, la leo. Speaking life, speaking encouragement, you are called to do that, and then that's, that's called. That means there will be a grace, there will be the power of the Holy Spirit, there will be the gift that you can uh, move in, right? And also, serve one another. That's a command. Everyone's called to do that. Love one another in action. That's serving, right? And you're called to do that, that means you're gifted to do so. Because, um, you know, God doesn't con- self-contradict himself, right? So speaking and serving-wise, at least, these two examples, every believer is gifted in both, I believe. But in different measures, because every believer is called to do both in one way or another. In any, you know, both. So you have both gifts. I think you should, right? (laughs) And then you both receive, you receive both grace and the Holy Spirit. So both gifts are in you. That's the point that I'm making. You got it? Right? There's a common misunderstanding that I want to point out. Um, a lot of people have tendency to think this way. Speaking, which is inclusive of preaching, prophesying, and teaching. Speaking is spiritual to serving. That's a lot of people's uh, understanding. It's like more spiritual than serving. Like speaking is more spiritual than serving. You know? So... When you reach the speaking level, when you go up to that level, you graduate from the serving part. You move on. You know, I know all of you know the answer, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to preach, but then I want you to confront the tendency to think that way. Because I know a lot of you in this room have the tendency to unknowingly think that way. And then there, I found a perfect example. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's go to Acts chapter 6. We're going to confront this misunderstanding with the scripture. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. I'm going to break it down for you. Verse 1 and 2. I'll read it for you. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. But first, 1 to 2. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned all the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. And it kind of sounds like serving tables is something inferior or less significant than speaking the ministry of the word. Right? It kind of sounds like that, right? But I realized that after really studying First Peter 4.11, that it sounds like it because we think that way. Uh-huh. Somebody heard me. <laughs> Somebody heard me. So here, 
serve tables. You guys see that? We cannot give up the ministry of the word to serve tables. I, I used to read it like, I cannot give up this ministry to serve tables. You're kidding me? That's how the tone that I read it, right? But here, serve tables, it's the same word, diakoneo. What does it mean to serve? Diakoneo. Uh, the same word that Peter used in 1 Peter 4.11, that he used as an example of what? The gift of varied grace. And then this diakoneo, one of the sub-meanings actually is this, to wait at a table and offer food and drink to the guests. That's a description of this word, right? So, you know, our apostles here are really implying that speaking is better or more spiritual than serving. It's something that's higher. Let's look at it again. The apostles said this because they had to be faithful in their own stewardship of their gifting as well. Let me explain. Apostle Paul, he was another apostle, right? He wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 16 to 17, this. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. Listen now, right? For necessity is laid upon me. So he says, I have to preach it. It's necessary for me to preach the gospel. It goes on to say this. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe is a really, really strong word. It's like curse on me. You know, I'm cursed. I'm screwed. I'm, I'm doomed if I do not preach the gospel. It goes on to say, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But not of my own will. Even if it's not my own will, I am still entrusted with the stewardship. According to ESB, that's exactly what he said. He says, I'm still entrusted with the stewardship, even if I do not want to do it. So I must preach the gospel. It's because he was an apostle. Apostles, their call and their gift is to preach the gospel, to establish the churches in the word. So ministry of the word is what? Priority for the apostles. I see some confused faces. Let me connect the dots for you. So he basically says, I must preach the gospel because I'm an apostle. That's my calling. That's my gift. And um, here, chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, apostles are saying the same thing. I cannot give up the ministry of the word because we are apostles. We are called to do it, and that's our, primary, that's our primary ministry, and that's my gift. And I cannot give up that to move in another gift. Does that make sense? It's a matter of priority. And then it, it makes it becomes more clear as you read on. Verse 3, it says this. Therefore, brothers, these are apostles speaking continuously. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So the duty here is taking care of who? The widows that were being neglected, right? Are you guys following me? So the widows are being, being neglected, and for this duty, apostles are looking for who? Those who have good reputation, filled with the Holy Spirit, and also wise men. Bring out, like, the best men that you have. That's what it sounds like to me. Filled with the Holy Spirit and wise and have good reputation. That means they are faithful and all that, you know? And um, to do what? To this... Seemingly small job to take care of these neglected widows, to serve them, to wait at the table and serve them food and drink. That's a job description. And apostles are asking for the best men in the house. Let them come. And I'm going to send them to do this duty. 
you know, apostles are not looking for any volunteers, like a lot of pastors do. Any volunteers? We're going to the homeless ministry. You know, we're going to the orphanage. Any volunteers? Anyone, anyone. You know, they are not begging for volunteerism right here. You know, they are not doing that. Uh, they are asking for the best man in the house to step up to serve in this way. Guys, it takes gift. It takes grace of God. It takes the Holy Spirit's power to do serving as well. Not any less. And it blows my mind. If you keep on reading the Acts, verse 8, uh, you move down like a couple verses. It says, Stephen, was, he's a, he was the one of the men that were chosen. So they end up choosing these seven men, and then they lay hands on them and then send them out, right? So these guys go and then feed the, uh, feed the widows, and they do that. And then a couple of verses later, it says, Stephen, one of those seven, was doing great wonders and signs. He was a man who was moving in signs and wonders. You know, you think he graduated from feeding the widow? No, it was happening simultaneously. You know, you could do both. And chapter 7, it says Stephen preached. He was a great preacher. His sermon so long. It's like full three pages. It's a super long sermon. And then he, he get a lot of them saved, you know. And he was the first martyr as well, you know. Stephen knew how to preach. You know, he wasn't just a widow feeder, you know. It took Holy Spirit, you know. And chapter 8, uh, Philip, he was another guy in that 7. He proclaimed the Christ in Samaria. And A7, it blows my mind away. It says this, unclean spirits, through Philip's um, ministry, it says, unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Through Philip, who were sent to feed the widows takes gift to either of that, you know. And he even baptized the Ethiopian dude, right, in, in the river. That's also Philip, you know. Brothers and sisters, we need to have right understanding of gifts. Not any gift is any spiritual or, or, or better or nothing. It's, it's, it's a lie. Prayer team is not any more spiritual than service team. Can I just say that? I'm a prayer team leader, okay? Praise team is not any spiritual than prayer team. Amen? <laughs> right? It doesn't work like that. <laughs> you know, we ask people to join service team for a season a lot of times. You know, when they are stepping up to higher leadership. When I first became an intern pastor, I had to serve in the uh, service team, Pastor Marcus as well. Um, it's because it's a foundation. It's basic foundation. It's not something that you go through and graduate and goodbye, no more serving for me. It's not like that. It's not a test that you pass and you graduate and I'm never serving again. It's not like that. It's like you go through service team and wherever you go, you go to prayer team, you go to praise team, it doesn't matter. You become a one-person service team ministry by yourself because it's such a foundation in you, you know? One-person service team, that's what we have to aim for. You know, that's why we send them there, not to... Not for them to go through and just graduate it, you know? And what was really highlighted to me is, it's right here. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So after those seven men were sent, this is the report that you get. It says this. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Truth increased, number one. Number increased greatly, number two. 
Obedience increase, number three. Increase, increase, increase. Multiply greatly. Crazy, amazing, powerful report came back. Just by sending that man to feed the widows. You know, 2012, we are declaring that this is a year of increase. And I was struck by this one verse. I mean, granted, verse 1 says they were already increasing in number. But I think it's significant that Bible adds three reports at the end, and then the middle verse has greatly multiplied. Greatly. That means it's, it was greatly increased, okay? So all these reports, Bible's intentional, you know? It doesn't waste a word, you know? It just struck me so hard, like, wow, increase upon increase upon increase, just by activating people in their giftings. You know, after three years of being Indian pastors, Marcus, myself, and um, and uh, Pastor John, we are not just ge- genetic general Indian pastors anymore, but we have titles now. I'm an executive pastor. I function in a way. Marcus is a media pastor. He functions in another way. And Pastor John's a worship pastor. He functions in another way. And I think that itself is to set up for much more increase to come into the house. You know, I, you know, when every part of the body is activated in their own giftings, increase comes. When all the body parts are functioning the way it should be without any being wasted, increase is coming. It's, it must come. When every person stewards the varied grace accordingly, increase is coming. Come on. The church is meant to multiply greatly, I believe. Just like Acts chapter 6. I want us to take some time to pray. Um, you can close your eyes. And I want us to think about the gifts that you have received from the Lord. And I want us to take some time to stir up the gifts. You know, if you have buried them in the ground, I want you to take them out. Maybe you were one of those people who are saying all these examples that are given you. Maybe... You are not really activated in them. Maybe you are not identifying clearly what your gifts are. But brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, when you are activated in your gifts, increase is coming. And you have to get this. It's not only about you. It's really about the whole house. It's about the whole body. I mean, for you to neglect your gift, maybe you think that's fine, but you got to understand you are hurting the body. You are hindering the increase that is coming, that is already set up. You know, some widows being neglected, that was a big hole to fill in. And then the best seven men were, were sent out to fill the gap and be activated in that way. You know, if you really believe that 2012 is a year of increase, I want us to think about your gift. And what are some gifts that's been buried under the ground?